Welcome back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Ham. No, he's not here. He's too busy wanking over that uh, replay of the weekend. Uh, 40. Evening, boys. And your host, Hamish. All right, so we've got the two reviews, news, and then three previews. Let's jump straight into it. New South Wales Cup getting over the top of the Bulldogs, 26-20. to 20. They were up 20-0 at one point. They made things difficult for themselves. Uh, but George Jennings, of all players, uh, coming and snapping that 77th-minute try the definition uh, to of, secure the win. definition of zero to hero, because if you recall in the first half, he started, well, he alongside uh, Mitch Butfield with his bad offload, but George Jennings um, did that pirouette into the sideline. <laughs> Off that clearance kick, so he um he certainly rectified the mistake he made. Yes, so made up for it at the end of the game. But they uh, for a team that did, did they need to win? I think it was three games at the end of the season to make the finals or something like that. It was roughly but, about that. Yes, three or four games. But in any event, they've knocked off fourth place, so they're through to the grand final qualifier, um, and they're up against the Rabbitohs, who they beat in the last round of action to secure that final spot. So. We'll get to that preview, but was there anything you wanted to touch on that other than Reese Davies? Um, he seems to be playing rather well, and it looks like he's secured a proper first-grade contract for next season. Yeah, he was on social media announcing that he's pre-signed for the Eels for one more year, so it's a fair reward for a pretty um, uh, good con- contributor to the Wente team this year. Um, I think he missed a bit of time midway for the season for an injury, but aside from that, he's been you know real consistent for him. Uh, I'm just trying to think of... There was, um, you know, Will a lot Smith, of, the, the arm injury, yes, which we'll see him ruled out, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually been a really good point in the halves. So I think um, we'll get to it later, but I think there's a bit of reshuffle that could happen theoretically around that. But uh, there was a lot of like really solid contributors. I mean, Tim Manor had a lot of great moments, but then some really bad moments. Um, you know, errors in the play, the ball, uh, dropping the ball cold. Um, when he just could not get to their field goal, like their, you know, their sort of end game uh, organizational structure is really bad. I wouldn't set up for field goals. You know, we're squandering possession in the opposition half before George ran away off the game, quite literally. Um, I thought uh, uh, Greg Lissuel had a pretty solid game, but he also had another error too. It's really hard to point out who had like just a really solid game. Um, Maybe Reese Davies is pretty yeah, much. Reese Reese <laughs> was like right up there with um, a lot of real tough work. He scored a try as well. Um, I thought uh, some of the young guys, Stefano had a, a, an okay game. I thought Oregon had some good runs off the bench. Yeah, I saw um Stefano in Oregon after the first grade game over at the uh the what's it called the hook hookout no um. The, the where you smoke the vapors um, on yeah, the main yeah, street yeah. in Parramatta, uh, Shisha, Shisha Shisha Bar. Sorry, there you go. Um, but yeah, and, but this is a weird Wenty team because that game was like a microcosm of their season, and where they they fuck around for like two thirds of the game, but get it done in the like the remaining third, and that was like you know obviously they, they got it done at the start and had to come home at the end, and so they've come home in the season for wet sail now, and they've got to keep running the table as it were. So they've got plenty of talent and they'll meet a pretty tough team when we do the previews, but they can certainly um, keep pushing ahead, I think. So again, try score is Tim Manor at the 17-minute mark, Will Smith, 25-minute mark, Reese Davies, 29-minute mark, and George Jennings, 77. Reese Davies, per- perfect off the boot with four from four conversions and one penalty goal. So Holden has scored 26 to 20. And as we touched on, Wentworthville are through to the grand final qualifier next week. Then into a very lopsided scoring sheet. So um, I'll just start with my joke. Why was 40 afraid of 50? Why, Hamish? Because 58 nil. (laughs) 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 Um, All right. So let's get through to this list of try scorers because it is quite lengthy. Um, And if anybody's seen that shot of the scoreboard, uh, it, (laughs) yeah. Wow. Uh, So, just before I get in, no, I've got the try scorers up. So Michael Jennings in the 11th minute, Mitch Moses, 16th minute, Blake Ferguson, 19th minute, Sean Lane, 32nd minute, Makasivo, 39th minute, Makasivo again, 48th minute, Dylan Brown, 52nd minute, Tepai Maroa, 70th minute, Mitch Moses for his double at the 72nd minute, Dylan Brown for his double at the 75th minute, and Dan Alvaro in the 79th minute. Look at that. My goodness, the only blip is uh, the conversions. Mitch, six from ten, and Manu Mayu, one from one, and Mitch, of course, missing the penalty goal. So if we'd been perfect off the boot, it would have been 68 to nil. Um, but, yeah. Uh, um, technically, technically, no, because the first missed penalty goal was what directly led to the try. So, 
Uh, well, it didn't directly lead to a try. The set, the set, uh, the, the restart yeah, did. Sorry, but yeah. still, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> who's to say that if they'd kicked off, we couldn't have raced up true. the field um, in the form we're in? Um, so the biggest score against the Broncos and the biggest final score in the history of the NRL. Uh, total f- attendance was 29,372. And I'm just going to grab up some team stats, which was well, the possession wasn't as lopsided as I thought it was 66 to 34, um, 33 minutes to 17 minutes time in possession, 82% to the Broncos, 71% completion percentage. All run meters, 2,107 to 813. Uh, Post-contact metres, 587 to 236, 10 line breaks to 2, 41 tackle breaks to 30, average set distance, 55 metres to 33 metres. Uh, play the ball speeds. We were slower, of course, 3.71 <laughs> seconds to the Broncos, 3.47. Um, but as Ham's touched on, we don't wrestle as much as other teams, so that's the, the reason for that. And then, gosh, just everything is just dominated, 100% kick defusal. Uh, you know, tackle effective. Our effective tackle percentage is down on what it, it was. It was pretty low. Yeah, I was looking at those numbers for my blog. And it was we're actually below the Broncos, surprisingly. Yeah, and then missed tackles thirty to 41, 21 to twenty four ineffective. But the Broncos having to make three hundred and fifty two to two hundred three eight errors apiece, four penalties apiece, one player on report apiece. Um, just touching on that before we get into the full review, um, Dylan Brown's obviously it was garbage, um, but. Did you think Joe O potential um, ten in the bin for that? That, like that was it, real. It was close. deliberate that was and to the close. head. Um, you know they talk about players falling in tackles and whatnot, but he deliberately aimed at a player that was on the ground and went at the head. So um, yeah, he must, in my opinion, was like a bee stick from getting sent. So yeah, he he got real lucky. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. Maybe the refs took a bit of pity on them because. That, already getting that, destroyed. That honestly, probably came to the decision. Like, you know, no joking. Like, the fact that we'd completely blown out of the water was like, yeah, what's the point of sending him? So, if you look at it, like what Joe does, he drops his knee so he sort of launch into him. So oh, yeah, he, he, he tore, he torpedoed into the, into the head. Yeah. That's right. That's what like made it so like reckless. So he got very lucky. Well, I think it was deliberate as opposed to well, uh, reckless or, or um, unintentional, which is the highest, which is the highest grading you can possibly get judiciary wise. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go, Bertie. What was your um, your quick takeaways? Oh, or you can go on God. for a while. You know, oh, just you know, we can we can flog this dead horse all night if we need to. <laughs> Look, I know the biggest thing is flog the fifty eight nil, but how great was it? to smash for feeder. And I'm not saying big hits. I meant like put him on his back and not break tackle. I think he had like six break, uh, six broken tackles. Like that's a huge, just he had 15 when we it when he was unstoppable. And the second tackle kick off, we pulled him backside. Like even Haas, he had, I think 88 meters. He was averaging 200. So it just showed that they, um, we made their pack look like a bunch of average, you know, like they had nothing. I just, that was the main thing going into this game. Just, just stop feeder and minimize the feeder and minimize um, Payne Haas and did it and yeah it's just it's just crazy T eight nil I don't think all that and that's like like I you know I made a tweet earlier like uh, West Tigers or they're upset the season they're the biggest loss well you know Broncos hold my beer fifty eight <laughs> like it's just I don't like and once again how good is Wonga Blake you know like like he is back to his look I want to say. Penrith made the finals. He was unbelievable. Like he was, I'm not gonna say elite, but he was his, his speed, his strength. Like he's just finally, like it's so good to see him back to healthy. He had that um, strap is a bit limited, but now he's taking taking on centers, and that's what we need. Hitting finals, you know, better X factor. Yeah, it was just so good. Um, I can't. You know, I made a comment like I didn't notice Takarangi and. Stone, but I watched the game back. And I did now. I do see it. Like they did a lot. Like I can't fault that performance. I think that's our first eighty performance. And, oh, it, you know, a bit of time. I, I mean, there's technically a few errors here and there, and obviously the misconversions. But in the terms of the NRL, that I can not just in the Parramatta Eels, but the wider NRL, that is as close to a perfect game as you're ever going to get. So I hope fans save that for what it is. Um, it was something special. Yeah, like the error. I think one error was from Reed Marty, but they got hit out of his hand. Like literally, I can't find. They did everything. Not wasn't perfect, but they were on the get go. And yeah, see performance. And forty. What were your main main oh, takeaways? Like, where do you start? Like, there you could literally go for all seventeen players and just you know talk for at least you know five minutes each on their impact. 
Um, I think we had a very quick game plan, so I want to really wrap the coaching staff for that. They obviously identified that Brisbane are vulnerable to rapid shifts from right to left, and that's like we exploited that massively, and that wouldn't have worked without Mitchell Moses' ability to throw 20 to 30-meter just bullet passes. Um, Can I just say, in the warm-up, Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses were throwing those passes very deliberately, and they were even throwing them backhanded and and hitting – Dill Brown was hitting 40 metres on the fly, and Mitch (laughs) Moses was hitting 30 out the back of their hand. It was ridiculous. It's like those moments like that where when they're just like, you know, know, messing around in warm-ups that let you – understand how special NRL players are, not just Parramatta Eagles players, but NRL players in terms of the skill gap between them, Reggie's, and then like the average Joe, like that sort of stuff. If you go to a park and try and pass it, you're lucky to get 15 metres. And here they are just like rifling it 30 to 40 metres. Insane. Out Um, the back of their hand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, where do you you start? Um, Like I said, I've already wrapped the um, the game plan there. I thought that was really good. And it's funny because we're going to need something similar, but probably not as... Uh, razzle-dazzle against the Storm. I think a lot of the talking heads, like even Paul Gowan has identified that Melbourne are vulnerable when you can shift the ball and get out of the wrestle. And that's obviously one of our strengths. So if we can play to our strength and take that away from Melbourne, that'll be huge next week, but we'll get to that later. Um, but from from 1-17, to 17, really impressive. I thought our centres were fantastic. Statistically, they didn't... I mean, Wanga Blake had a lot of metres and um, and Jennings got the try. Uh, wait. Yes, he did. He got the only try. There you go. You got the... Yep. Yeah. Um, but um, I thought defensively they were both brilliant. Um, both laid on what would have been close to hits of the year contenders if it wasn't for Tafua's um, monster tackle against Munster the other week. Um, but uh, Quinton Gufferson was really tight at the back. Uh, Daniel Alvaro had a breakthrough performance after struggling for large parts of this year. Um, ditto for Tepai Moroa. Um, you know, I, I sort of caught him out a little bit on TCT. You know, not unfairly, I don't think, but like sort of cited some of his um, struggles with um, errors and penalties lately as a big frustration. He played a really good game off the bench. Uh, and, you know, aside from that, uh, we talked about the small blemishes for Reed Marnie and, and a couple other blokes. I think uh, Mitchell Moses had one kick that was deflected uh, by not playing at Bronco, which was, you know, his one bad kick in general play. Well, I, I have to say, like, I know this isn't the the ruling on it, but I, I believe if you were trying to make a deliberate move to get out of the way of the ball, that's as good as playing at it. It's it's such uh, a and weird that's consistency. How I and it's, it's the same thing with... Um, the inconsistency between the like, pass deflections and kick deflections. If you're trying to tackle someone in a kick, it doesn't count as a charge down. But if you try and tackle someone for pass, it counts as a, a knockdown six again, even if you're not doing it, replaying the ball. So I don't really understand the inconsistencies there, but it's frustrating. Um, but yeah, like our, our team had a very obvious game plan. They executed it really well. Um, the weather was pretty um, testing as far as the heat, but in front of a near sold out house, I don't really think there were 700 um, vacant seats, but apparently there were. Um, they they played you know the perfect game of footy. So massive round of applause to everyone involved on Sunday. That was one of the most special moments as a fan to to be in attendance of, and everyone that was there will remember that for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's one of the most utterly dominating games of football I've ever seen. And and as uh, um, forty touchdowns, it's, it's hard to to figure out where to begin because it's just so dominating that you can't even <laughs> go into and wrap every single player. Um, but you touched on a couple that I, I, I was already going to touch. Um, but but also the Mitch Moses, Nate, uh, Dylan Brown combination, um, you know, when you compare that to last year, Corey Norman and Mitch Moses combination, it's just streaks ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think Moses has wrapped um, Brown a number of times and Brown is just a no frill. Well, not no frills in that nothing phases him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and taking a back seat, he doesn't care. He's got no ego. He just wants to do what's the best for the team. And on the weekend, you you could see how special he was. And I think he even admitted that his, his kick uh, to regather, apparently he was aiming for Sivo. <laughs> and then um, he, he got a little bit straight yeah, and made sure that he chased his own right. kick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, got up above and, and, and took it on. And the other really big moment or, or one that I love because we were down that end of the field was the the spread from um, Reed Marnie, that pass that oh. hit Mitch Moses in the oh. gap. Um <laughs> That's probably one of the best balls that you'll see of the season. Yeah. I was 30 metres meters on the fly, just flat. It wasn't a looping ball. It was a flat pass that 30 metres and hit Mitch Moses right in that gap so he could just um, put the accelerator straight on. It was literally – it was that close to Darius Wood. He could have reached and grabbed an intercept and it would have went the other way. But, like, how he like how he threw it was perfect. Like, he had everyone just 
it's like a you know, like he was baiting Darius Boyd to come up and he took the bait uh, Boyd. Yeah, ran through and it was a great uh, pass. And the other thing I wanted to touch on directly after halftime, uh, ref started to try to give a, an even up oh, to the Broncos. And then they got that streak away and um, the chase, the desperation to to uh, keep that nil on the other side. And um, I know he, he bumbled it, but uh, Sivo was there to take him over the line and Sivo told him about it <laughs> as well. Um, so, yeah, oh. just a special moment, utter domination. Um, and and there was a couple of blokes behind me, and they said, "That's it. You just got to sit there and enjoy it, and you can't go on with anything else while you're at that game." Um, so yeah, anybody who made it out, you you had a, a very good experience, or even if you're watching at home on the telly, um, that's that's something else. Um, it's it's one I, of those. I've ones. just never seen that domination in no. a final. I think I saw it last was it Bronco uh, two years ago. Sorry, it was Melbourne beat Brisbane like 30 nil, and it was first v fourth. That's that's the closest I've seen to that sort of level of domination in a finals match. Yeah, it, it's it's something that's so hard because in NRL finals, even when it's you know the lower seeded teams, usually it's somewhat competitive. Like they find a way to make it a contest, but that was the complete opposite on Sunday. Um, yeah, <laughs> like. It was it was just wow. Like I don't know where you like in the dissection of that game, you could just ramble on for so long because everyone was so good. You know, Blake Ferguson was back at full form. Um obviously Makasivo had another two tries to take his season tally to twenty two. Um, you know, Gufferson was imperious from the back, you know, he did a lot of work. I think he got over two hundred running meters alongside Daniel Alvaro. Um Junior Paul only had to play thirty minutes because we were so dominant that we he had, you know, a hundred plus meters and a couple of offloads in that period. And then we just put him on ice because the rest of the forward pack was so dominant in that remainder of the game. And one other thing I didn't touch on, but just that threat of Sivo on the wing. He tracks three defenders every time. And obviously that had us shifting that ball right back to the right edge because there weren't enough numbers um, given how many tacklers are needed just to cover maker Sivo. So that's something they've definitely identified. And even on, you saw Sean Lane, just the, um, the threat of Sivo on that wing uh, allowed him to to, to bury, run that straight yeah. to the line um, and not have and and have the winger for Broncos stay outside because just of that threat. So um, just to have wingers like Ferguson and Sivo, it's just incredible. Um, and that back line, you know, one through seven, they've all got oodles of talent, and um, we'll just see where they can take us. And Michael Jennings, God, he looked like a young man again, <laughs> especially on that leap the and the bobble points. and the regatta. Fantastic. He's, um, I mean, people have been talking about the rebound that he's had this year, but his last few weeks have gone to another level again. So he's um really timing his peak performances for the best time of the season. So, and um, the and that's the other thing probably worth mentioning is that Jennings, alongside what Blake Ferguson. And I'm just looking for our team list, and I think that's it. They're, they're our two premiership winners. They're the guys that have the experience, that know what it takes to get things done in the postseason. And the fact that uh, both of them are here to play and play their best football, I know, is is what the team needs as they enter, you know, one of the biggest games of um, their careers next week against Melbourne, or this week against Melbourne rather now. I want to give a shout-out to the Pirate Technicians, man. They had a bit of shit <laughs> no, no injuries in this game. <laughs> Oh, well, they use the same apparatus, but I read in the paper they didn't allow the sprinklers, oh. the the sparklers. Sorry, the sparklers on the machine after the Saturday night. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, yeah. The only thing I don't like about the pyrotechnics is the the cloud uh, at kickoff. Like it leaves that yeah, low hanging smoke. Definitely obscures the a the view for the fans, and probably b for the players. More importantly. Yeah, but other than that, uh, absolute dominant. And um, another player, I think you wrapped him already, but Dan Alvaro, just absolutely huge from him. Um, yeah, well, yeah. NRL.com's got him for 220 metres off 22 carries. Um, and that only 22 kick metres because the, the, for whatever reason, the Broncos kept kicking the Junior Paulo in the opening half. Like, that was some kind of good idea. I'm not really sure about it. It was logic. Junior Paulo and Murata. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Amazing uh, what a bit of, rivalry, uh, bit of uh, competition does, you know. We're now three in Camel Gillard. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? For 200 so, metres. Um, Paul has been slowly ticking upwards in form ever since he came back from the Reggies, but this was definitely by far and away his best game. And like I said, with Michael Jennings um, and, and Blake Ferguson, having guys peaking at this time of the season is exactly what you want to do. It's what Trent Robinson's so good at doing with the Roosters. So we're... Um, we're we're in a good position as far as individual and team form. That's for sure. 
And another pleasing thing um, you could see in the post-game press conferences, uh, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. We know we've got a heck of a go down to Melbourne next yeah, the I eyes th- are very much fo- focused on that and and not getting away with ourselves after. Exactly. Even though it was a dominant performance, um, you know, you start on nil all next. Do you want to say something there for you? Yeah, I was saying. I think looking at all the, the sort of post game and and then now into the next week um, for preparation for Melbourne, all the media work that's happened for our boys. The thing that's come across it's it's not arrogance, but it's a quiet confidence. Like I think that game was the 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 coalescence of everything this team knows that they can be, and. And on the back of that, they know that, yes, Melbourne's going to be a hell of a game. And, you know, every game after that, if you get to past Melbourne, it's the Roosters. And if you get past the Roosters, it's going to be South Sydney or Manly. Um, they're all um, massive games. Um, or, or Canberra. Or Canberra, sorry. Or Canberra yeah. 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 <laughs> Eventually, the other team is actually more, through more to More likely Canberra. That's right. <laughs> but, like, they're, they're all monster games. But on the back of what they've done now, they know that they can do it. They, they know that it's only three more wins. And, you know, they've got to take a one game in a row, but they're going to give it everything they've got. So um, it's been really refreshing to see the boys back themselves without being arrogant because I think that's the mentally where you need to be if you're going to make these upset wins. And you'd have to say if we do, and I know it's pie-in-the-sky stuff at the moment, but and not getting ahead of ourselves, if you do go it, we've had the hardest run through the finals and we'd have certainly deserved it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, As opposed to, like, 2017 where we had a soft heading into the final. But funnily enough, the last time we got to the grand final in 09 was when we beat, uh, we had to go through one, two, three, four. We came in at eighth and then beat uh, first St. place, George. so first place St. George, and then uh, Bulldogs, it was, and then Titans. Yeah, Bulldogs, Titans. So I think Titans finished fourth that year. I mean, that's why they end up being fourth. And then we played Melbourne in the, um, obviously in the GF, and they were like uh, second that year, and obviously cheating, but you know, let's not get into that. But yeah, um, so yeah, this is, this is, um, you know, as as hard as it gets, it is literally unlike Kevin Durant's hardest path. This is the hardest path. So yeah. All right. Well, again, no need to keep flogging a dead horse. Um, but the boys should be very pleased with that, and that'll be on the highlights reel for a long time to go. Oh, and and unsurprisingly, I think eight Parramatta Eels made the NRL team of the week as a result of um, that historic win. So I think someone said there was a tweet saying that's either the most or the second most tied um, in the history of NRL team of the week. So there you go. Yeah, I think um, we were unlucky not to have. Um, what, what did Michael Jennings make it? In? Jennings made it over Wonga, but um, to be fair, and uh, Joey, over. Joey yeah. um, Manu had a pretty great game for the Roosters. Yeah, but close, close. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess Reedy gets points taken off him for that kick out on and the fall. <laughs> the other one that was unlucky was um, Polar, who um, once again, Adam Fanor Blake was monstrous for Manly in their. Um, I don't know if you'd call it an upset win over Cronulla, given that they finished higher on the table and Cronulla have an abysmal record at Brookvale. Um, but in their big win over Cronulla. Yeah, I still thought, with all those injuries for Manly, that Cronulla should have given a better account of themselves, but I, that yeah, was sort I think of a that, reflection that, of their season. Yeah, they speaks, should have been better. It speaks a lot to where Cronulla are and how big a hole they're in, both cap-wise and, and roster-wise. Because um, there's already rumours today that came out that, that Matt Moylan's been, is he being shopped or been talked about going to the Tigers? So there's a, yeah, some issues there when you've got Josh Dugan on the $800,000 Moylan or whatever he's on, so. All right, well, let's move into some news. Uh, as already touched on tonight, Regan Campbell-Gillard, official five-year deal. Um, apparently, Penrith are paying a fair deal of freight over the duration of the contract, so every year they've got to chip in however much. Um, but uh, what's your take on it, Bertie? Yeah, I don't know. Like, see, I'm a big believer in juniors, like because juniors are the the cheapest way to build a roster to you know, and like my biggest worry is, is this going to halt, um, you know, Kafusi, uh, Stefano, the likes of, like, you know, the, the youngsters in the jersey flag as well. So, like, I guess the positive is they're paying part of his salary. And, you know, you look at it 18 months ago, I think he was playing Origin and playing even Australia, for Australia. So it's just the, um, if we can, you know, if, you know, if, if I think it'll be good because, um, what happened to Kane Evans? Like we, everyone wanted Kane Evans out. Now look at him. Now, you know, we missed him a lot on the weekend. Like we, we wanted him to play. And if we can, without, without disrespect to Kane Evans, but if we can fix Kane Evans, surely Regan Gabriel fix because he has that aggression. It's just his attitude and commitment. As you said, the article came out. He goes, he hated rugby league this season, and you know, he played tw- started 20, 20 or 23 games on the bench. So, you know, like 
I, I think he's in there and start firing him up, and he'll be in, great signing. In relation to that article about him not enjoying rugby league, I think given what we've seen with the exodus of Penrith talent, there's something rotten in the state of Penrith for sure. Um, there's oh, they had the sex tapes and whatnot come out earlier at the start mm-hmm. of the season, and I think that whatever's happened on between that and the um the uh the Cleary sort of faction have um riled a lot of um feathers and left a lot of people unhappy. And it's funny because every player, not, I don't know if it's every player, but certainly some of the high-profile ones like Watins Lesniak and Wonga Blake have been absolutely phenomenal for the new clubs. So like, I wasn't huge on the Wonga Blake signing at the time. He, he's, you could see his ceiling has been incredible because he is an athletic freak and you know he's, he's had his moments where he's been untouchable and dominant. But I was concerned that you know his, his floor would be too low. But he he made me eat crow. He's been fantastic for us. And Reagan Camagilla was another player which I was very um, tepid about at the start. But he finished the season quite strong when you look at his numbers, and I think that the change of scenery to Parramatta is going to do him a lot of good. And you look at his like his qualities; he's one ninety three, around about one hundred and fifteen kilos. Those sort of weight numbers always fluctuate depending on where you look and and how official they are. He's like your prototypical modern prop. So um, he can play long minutes. Well. Exactly, he's capable of playing long minutes. But in our rotation, he doesn't need to be leaning off long minutes. So maybe he can be more explosive and aggressive in a shorter stint. Um, with Junior being able to um, soak up plenty of minutes and Kane showing himself to be a pretty useful prop. You know, he only has to be a, a piece in the rotation doesn't have to carry the load. So, yeah, he could be very good for us next year. So he comes in, right, to the top. And who goes out? Like, okay, Manu's leaving, you know, he's one of the forwards leaving. Like, does another prop leave the club or do we still keep the same props? Like- I, don't, I don't think anyone's leaving. I think... Um, I think um, Daniel Alvaro is going to be locked in a in a battle for a bench spot. Um, Tepe Morales is obviously leaving, so that's one player off this week's bench that would not be there. Is Tepe a re-sign for next year? I can never remember. I, I'm I'm not sure because I thought he was, but then I think some some article referenced that he wasn't recently. So my my understanding was that he is under contract for next year. Um, but um, let me uh, while while we're if talking, not, well, that just leaves the the rotation as. Um, well, it just leaves with the the forwards, just to say all of them. You've got, um, for props, Junior Paulo, Kane Evans, Dan Alvaro, potentially Terrapo, and then you've got Regan yeah. Campbell-Gillard. That makes five. And then you'll have the younger blokes, Oregon Kafusi, um, and uh, Stefano, I presume, is probably going to come top 30 next season. I have to imagine that Stefano's top 30, yeah. So NRL.com's player transfer portal has Terrapo under contract for 2020. So there you go. Yeah. Well, that gives you seven players in the forwards to make four spots. Um, and given what's happened with Terrapo later this year, uh, t- towards the end of the season, I, I could see the the rotation being either a starting pair of Junior Paulo and Kane Evans or Junior Paulo, Regan Campbell-Gillard with Dan Alvaro and, and Kane Evans or Dan Alvaro, Regan Campbell-Gillard off the bench. Yeah, and with the yeah. young, young guys like Stefano and Oregon pushing real hard for uh, probably Dan's spot, I'd say, or... Maybe a flex spot on the bench, depending on how they want to round out the uh, the depth there. Yeah, whether they want three big boys or yep. See, I'm all for it. It's just you know we let Josh Ole go, we let Alex Twal go. Like I just don't want Kafusi or Stefano to be one of those that gets the, the reason they left it for game time and they blossom. But can I just say with with those players that we have lost, have we really missed them though? Like. Like I think, um, he, even with um, Alex Twal, he he was sort of a Tim Manor uh, mould player, um, and whilst he's playing big minutes at the Tigers, he's not like having an impact of a of a well, even yeah. a Dan Alvaro at this point. The, on, no, no, honestly, like they the, left because of the game time. The That's only the only guaranteed. junior that we've missed, and there were reasons behind it, was Ryan Madison, and that was at the time he saw himself as a halfback, and the club wanted to develop as an edge player, and lo and behold, now he's one of the game's best, you know. Uh, best young edge buyers. So, you know, if if there was a sliding doors moment there where he'd sort of bought into what we were trying to sell, maybe he'd still be the edge buyer at Parramatta. And obviously now there's talks that maybe he's going to be an edge buyer at Parramatta, depending on how that whole drama plays out at the Tigers. Yeah, that's the only other bit of news is potential um, talks with Ryan Madison. Uh, I can't remember if he's got new um, manager or it's an old manager. Um, but in any event, he was on peanuts at West Tigers. And, you know, when you look at blokes like bloody um, – who are those big two uh, New uh, Zealanders that they signed a couple of years ago? Russell Packer um, and Madalino. Madalino eating up, you know, Josh, 500, Josh 600 well. K. Yeah. Fuck, I remember when Tigers fans on Reddit were telling me they were going to be the best bloody forward pack in the uh, – the best starting prop rotation I do, in the game. I do recall like, those days. There was some um, uh, very um, keen Tigers fans – 
they were talking up that um free agent class massively. And have a look at them. Um, they're trying to offload. Was Josh Reynolds potentially to the Sharks or something? I heard. I can't remember. Um, I don't know. But who cares? That doesn't ma- doesn't affect us unless Ryan Madison comes to us, uh, which would be fantastic given Manu Maus off uh, to uh, England next year. And I think we've touched on it before. Unfortunately, um, he he has. Well, not unfortunately. Um, fortunately for us, he, he has really come back uh, in the second half of the season and lifted his game. We all knew that that's what he could produce, and it's unfortunate that he is leaving. But we just couldn't offer him that three-year big-money deal that he did get over in England, um, given his recent history of injuries. So um, as something for, for us, all, all NFL fans, it's better a year too early than a year too late. Exactly. And- Surely, if, if Blake Austin's tearing the competition apart over there, he has to Top five back rower there. Did like, you did you see like, their their um team of the year? I haven't seen. I haven't, I haven't paid much attention, but I just know isn't like Austin like the favorite for the Man of Steel award or their, their team of the year had players like Lachlan Coote. I was just trying to figure out. Uh, sorry, give me, give me two secs um, while we're talking. Uh, so like this gonna, week, surely he's going to be the top five back row over there, and he'll be like a cult figure over there. Yeah, hopefully he is. He's just um, fantastic. Oh, Jackson Hastings, Blake There Austin we go. Lachlan Coote, Kevin Naguama, Conrad Harrell, Blake Austin, and Jackson Hastings were all on the Dream Team uh, team of the year. So, Didn't Harrell only – when did Harrell get over there? Oh, yeah, he got over there, yeah. yeah Sorry, I was thinking Carter, of the other um, Solomon centre. Yes. Yeah. So um, that, that sort of – I mean, we, we uh, in general, NRL fans meme about a lot, but the Super League is definitely a step below like – more than a step below the NRL. So – I expect Manu to be an absolute. He'll be a cult hero there too. With the, the intensity that he plays with, um, they'll fall in love with him over there. Is it Hull that he signed with, or is it yeah. A Wigan? Yeah, I think it was Hull. Yeah. I think it was Hull FC instead of Hull KR. There you go. Like when they announced the signing, they're like, "We have signed the meanest player in NRL." Like you can tell they really love him, and they, yeah. they can't wait for you know stuff. All right, well, let's jump into the previews. So we've got three games this week: Bron Massey Cup, the Wentworthville Magpies taking on. Uh, the Mounties, uh, that'll take place on Saturday, the 21st of September at 5.15pm at Nostrata Jubilee Stadium. I think that's Cogra. Oh, uh, they change it? Oh, my God. Um, is it Nostrata Jubilee Stadium Cogra? Okay. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm okay. fairly sure it is. I don't know. If not, it's Wollongong or Cogra, so check that before you head out. Okay, <laughs> um, uh, there's hardly any changes uh, to our lineup. They've got the main man, Bo Henry, at halfback, so they should be putting on a win, although the Mounties have got Anthony Layoon. Oh, there's a blast from the past, playing 5-8. <laughs> oh. I don't and remember him, Anthony Layoon. And a Sam Duggan at hooker. That name rings a bell. Duggan rings a bell, but... Is it a different Harry Duggan, I think, is the name that. Yeah, um, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, and um, I'm just seeing if there's any more. No, I can't really see any more exiles. Uh, Daniel Roberts, maybe that's a relation to Ben Roberts. <laughs> Who knows? And uh, Edward Aono. Uh, yeah, Eddie, a teeny Eddie gaffer. Aono. We he, used to have a gaffer. Yeah, Eddie Aono and a teeny gaffer both played in, um, but either Reggie's or, or Junior's. A teeny was a a junior, and then Eddie played for Wenty for one year, I believe. Yeah, but as I touched on, um, we've got uh, the the main man at seven. He'll guide us through, um, and Brad Keegan at, at hooker. Um, he can certainly hold his own, and then Bergman at fullback, and um, Ham's favourite man Schaffhausen on the wing. So, <laughs> um, unfortunately, he didn't live up to the live up to the preseason hype from Ham, um, playing Rob Massey Cup and not Canterbury Cup. But <laughs> um, he's a handy player in that grade. Um, we hope they're booking another grand final appearance, which I think will be three in a row at least. Um, we'll see how they go. Then on to the Canterbury Cup, uh, which will see Rabbitohs in second position taking on Wentworthville, who finished in eighth but now sixth. Um, no, we're into the top final four, aren't we? Final four. This is, this is grand, grand final qualifier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which will take place again at Estrada Jubilee Stadium on Saturday the 21st of September. Uh, this one doesn't uh, – yeah, this one's on Foxtel, so you'll be able to grab that earlier in the day. Uh, again, I think I said it's Saturday, 21st of September. A um, couple of ins, couple of outs. Uh, of course, Will Smith, unfortunately, out, uh, which we'll see uh, in the centres. 
Kieran Heyman and Reese Davies. Uh, can you tell us anything about Kieran Heyman? Heyman is a North Sydney Bears player. Was one there back of the year in 2018. Um, he ended up playing one game for Wenty in Canterbury Cup in April, I believe. So he hasn't been a, a regular fixture by any means um, for the uh, lineup. So it's a little bit of a surprise that they called him up. But I was I'm having a quick chat with Sixties earlier, and um, we're speculating that you know there could be a potential roster reshuffle. Reshuffle, sorry. Um, based on who they have um, around them, because Jamin Seven obviously is experienced in the halves. And if you throw him into the halves, you can then uh, promote Hayes Dunster from the bench into the centres and bring Celesi from the extended roster onto the um, bench. So, even, I mean, if they do go with Heyman, they go with Heyman, but there's also the flexibility to uh, shuffle the team around a little bit without too much disruption. Yeah, that does make a fair bit of sense. So let's go through that lineup. Josh Hoffman at fullback, George Jennings and Greg Lelessiwau on the wings, Ethan Parry, Jamin Salmon at centres. Kieran Heyman at six, Reese Davies at seven in the props, Tim Manor and Stefano Tuikimanu, Matt McCorrick at nine, and then in the second row, Andrew Davey, David Gower, and Locke Penny Terrapo. Interchanges Hayes Dunster, Oregon Kafusi, Mitch Butfield, and Hamona Hiroti with the extended bench of Celesi Foyinga. So that definitely makes sense what you're talking about um, with Celesi to come in and Hayes Dunstar to centre, and then, of course, Jamin Salmon from centre to to 5'8". That makes a lot of sense, um, I mean, but we'll see. Yeah, it's just like you feel like it's a lot of pressure for Heyman to come in in a you know sudden-death grand final qualifier, but um, you know if they, if they trust him, they trust him. So, like, you know, uh, i got no issues if they feel like he's the guy, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that reshuffle come Saturday. And the only other thing, yeah, as I touched on just before we went to um, record – Jaden Sewer lining up for the Bunnies. So I haven't looked at the Bunnies team this uh, week, but Sewer's been a pretty regular fixture all year. Yeah, between the Broncos and the Rabbitohs, he's been a, a NRL regular with the talk about representative upside. So I'm not sure on the eligibility rules because I've been told different things across the last couple of seasons about how many games you have to play and if you play more NRL games than a certain threshold, you can't qualify. But evidently he's fine. So they've, um, I mean, look at, look at their ends. Corey Allen, Dean Britt, Dean Hawkins, Jacob Gargan, Jaden Sewer, Cole Turner. So there's a whole swathe of NRL experience in there. Um, but on the flip side, this winter unit's been playing together for like like rock solid for like the last two months now. So maybe the the camaraderie and the chemistry there will be able to win out over the uh, experience and talent that the Rabbitohs have injected into their Reggie's team. Uh, all right, well, let's get on to first grade then, which will see the Storm, who finished in first place, taking on the Eels, who finished in fifth. Uh, Saturday, the 21st of September, taking place at 7, uh, sorry, that's 7.50 p.m. Uh, so Fox 9, KO, Live Pass, everything, uh, ins and outs. Uh, let's just go straight to the team list, unchanged pretty much from last week. Clint Gutherson, except, of course, for Kane coming in. Clint Gutherson at fullback, then on the wings, Maker Sivo and Blake Ferguson, Michael Jennings and Walker Blake in the centres. Dill Brown, Mitch Moses are the halves. Kane Evans, Junior Paulo at the starting props, Reed Money at hooker. Uh, second row is Sean Lane, Manu Ma'u and Nathan Brown locking it out with Brad Takarangi, Dan Alvaro, Tep Morale, Murata Neokore on the bench, extended bench of Ray Stone, Jamin Salmon, Penny Terrapo and Josh Hoffman. And then for the Storm, they've got Ryan Puppenhausen at fullback. The wingers of Vunivalu and Addo Carr, centres of Chambers and the king of PNG, Justin Olam. Uh, in the halves, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes. In the forwards, Jesse Bromwich, Nelson Asofa, Solomona and Cam Smith as the hooker and captain. And referee. Uh, and third referee, yes. Uh, he didn't blow one on the weekend no, for that uh, hand on the sideline. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't be too happy about that one. Uh, second row, Felice Kafusi, Kenny Bromwich, Dale Finucane at lock. And then the interchange is Brandon Smith, Tui Kami Kamika, XLR, Max King, Joe Stimson. And then the extended bench of Curtis Scott. Uh, I'm going to give up on that type of name. Uh, Eisenhuth and Brody Croft with uh, Tino F uh, also on the reserve bench. So uh, Birdie takes away. Yeah, so um, one thing everyone should know, and if they don't, they're drunk, is what happened last weekend on Sunday It's not going to happen. Saturday. Coward. That was Coward. Weather. No, it's just like, I'm talking about like <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Like, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Like, so I believe semi-final football starts now because last week was the semi-final football grind. We've got to go down there and just, just stay with them set for set. We don't want them to get long, you know, amounts um, of consecutive uh, possessions because then we're going to get screwed. So just stay with them set for set. If you have to kick early, kick early. 
but make sure your lines are straight and set and, you know, like, our forward should bash their foot, you know, like, I think, and our second phase offloads should trouble them, but it's just, you know, we have to obviously hit the lead early and just, we, we have to be front running in this game. We can't, you know, claw our way back. Melbourne are the master. From, you know, from the first minute to the 80, they're going to have the same game plan. They're just going to do four forwards, hit ups, the corner. So, we just got to try to stay with them set for set and, you know, anything can happen. As Brad Arthur said in 17, free throw at the stumps. Like, no one's, no one's thinking we're going to win. So what's the worst that's going to happen? Lose? You know, everyone, everyone's predicting it. So let's just go out there and prove them wrong and show that we deserve to be in the comp. Or deserve to be in the comp. And 40, your take? Yeah, we know this is going to be, you know, the toughest game of the year for us. And obviously, you know, it gets harder if we win out. But... Um, we've shown in 2017 that we're not afraid of Melbourne and Melbourne. I know they put 60 on us at the Magic Round, but that was like the perfect storm of circumstances where they'll, they'll come That back. was also at Suncorp. Yes, exactly. Um, but in 2017, we took them like tooth and nail um, to, to the line, and it was, if only for a couple of referee blunders, at least in my opinion, certainly one for the forward pass that was missed and two for the, what I thought was an offside transfer between Cooper Cronk and the other player. Um, we, we had them beat. And I think that, if anything, the self-belief this year might be even even higher in these boys, um, even if 2017 was the better season statistically. I think that the, the playing group has come together in the back end of the season um, really tight. And I think, you know, you can point to certain leaders. Uh, I think you know, we mentioned before Blake Ferguson and, and Michael Jennings are the premiership leaders. But another player that really surprised me to see thrown out by the media was um, Sean Lane has um, emerged as a real leader for the team. And it makes sense when you consider how well he's playing too. But he's um he's been a real dominant voice for this team, and I expect these guys to go down to Melbourne on Saturday and you know beat them to within inch of their lives. Um, I know that they're and Brad Arthur's already pointed out that they're the best team in the competition. Uh, minor premiers, um, they dropped a, a, literally a handful of games all season. And they were the best attacking and best defensive team statistically, um, and they're going to try and dictate the terms to use a Wally Lewisism because <clears throat> they they're so dominant in the wrestle. But um, our strength matches up really well to that. So if we can get second phase ball out and you know attack the edges with a, a bit of um speed, we're gonna we're gonna trouble them. Um, it's just a matter of not getting sucked into their play style, and then if we do go behind, not letting our heads drop or not letting our composure slip, um, we're gonna need Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown and Reed Marnie to be really on point. Um, be willing to kick to the corners and and sort of rally the team between sets and between um dead ball, uh, if we if needed. So. It's going to be tough. Um, they're the benchmark, but I think that we're going to give them a run for the money. And I think, as Bertie touched on, uh, we're not going to be able to get those shift players going because that uh, Melbourne defence is very much up uh, and in your face. It's not a slide uh, as the Broncos sort of play. Um, so uh, there's going to be less time to think for Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses. Uh, so I, I really see that we're going to have to win it through the forwards and, again, go for the full 80 minutes. Um, but it's going to come down to the wire, I think, and we'll want to get an early lead or otherwise Melbourne are one of the best teams at grinding out a win um, if they can get some early points. Uh, but if you beat them to the punch, they're not the best team at clawing back um, uh, leads. So um, early points and then defend our asses off uh, for the full 80 minutes. But again, as you guys have touched on, nobody's expecting us to go down to Melbourne and beat Melbourne. Nobody expected Canberra to go down and beat them two times uh, this season. Um, I think th- this this Melbourne Storm team reminds me of the 2011 Storm team in that they had a particularly good season, but when you get to the postseason, you've got to go up that gear. And in 2011, they didn't have that second gear. And I can see them sort of being a similar sort of team this year. Um they didn't win the comp in 2011, did they? 2011 was the Dragons won in 2010. 2011, was it Manly? Yeah, Manly, that's right. Yeah, where they got knocked out, I think, in straight sets, Melbourne did. Um, so, again, and with those recent changes, I don't think Jerome Hughes is a seven. Uh, I think he's he's better placed at fullback, but they just couldn't keep Ryan Pappenhusen out of the side. And on the um, flip he's side, an exceedingly dangerous player. Brody Croft um, has been pretty ordinary too, so... So they're stuck in limbo with the number seven, aren't they? Yeah, but we do know they're danger men. Uh, they're all across the park, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Cam Smith, of course, is their, their other number seven um, and everything else. Cam Munster. Uh, Pretty handy player. We, well, we saw last week that Canberra shut him down and he's very rarely going to have two quiet games uh, in a row. 
Um, and then you look at their forward pack. Our goal line defense needs to be on point because the surface arm owner is an absolute load near the red zone. Um, and-, and of course, Dale Finucan as well. There's a reason he played for the Blues this year. Uh, he's just a 80 minute workhorse. And then you look to their bench. Uh, we know Kami Kamika, uh, who unfortunately Ooh. went to Union and then over to Melbourne. Um, not much can be done. But Brandon Smith, he's just a bundle of energy. Um, very good at the one-on-one strip too. <laughs> they want to have their um, uh, eyes up for that. Max King came from the Titans, has played rather well. Joe Stimson came back from injury and he's sort of – I thought he was going to be a fixture on the um, where Kenny Bromwich is playing, but uh, I guess not. Um, but their, their skill – um, speed, power, 80 minutes across the whole um, 17, and we're just going to have to go up that gear if we want to beat them. And, and not, um, not to try and spin conspiracy theories, but the other concern would be that after a rough night at the office from the officials, Melbourne might be in line for some um, 50-50s to their name. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. We're not going to get a 50-50 all night. There's no point playing for penalties. There's no point for playing for inside 10 or playing for uh, pl- laying in the ruck. We've just got to get on with it and... Um, you're not going to get any favours down there. No, so you so you have to be the better team and, you know, and just win on your own back, on your own work. Yeah, not not only the better team, but the better team plus better two two or three calls yeah, going against it, you. exactly, exactly. Yeah, which unfortunately Storm have told everybody that for years and years and they get one <laughs> and against was, them when they were the, down. And the, it, the choir changes real, the tune the choir changes real quick, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Um, all right, well, let's go, Birdie. What's your prediction? Um, I think we're going to win 18-12. And, um, yeah, I think it'll, it'll literally be – I reckon we'll lead 12 nil at halftime, you know, and um, get a bit nervous in the second half. But I just think Mitchell Moses' game will uh, get us a dub, kick it long, and, you know, our pressure on Navalu, I reckon we should target him. You know, no one likes to get hit. And I reckon, you know, if we smash him – and, uh, you know, he'd probably go back into his shell. So, yeah, I'll tip lowest. And 40. Once again, you got to go with the heart, the Eels to win. Um, you, you you can't predict too many points in this game, even though we're a very potent attacking team in Melbourne. Statistically, we're a great attacking team as well. Um, what did you say, Betty? 18-12? Yeah, 18-12. Um, I'll go 14-12 um, with her penalty goal, the difference to Parramatta. First try scorer... Oh, goodness. Um, make is the easy option, but I think I'll go – I'm going to I'm gonna back Wunga Blake in. Oh, gosh. You've almost stolen off me, 40. <laughs> so I had Wunga Blake first try scorer, but no way are we getting a penalty down in Melbourne anywhere near the goals. <laughs> so I see us getting up 13-12 the field goal, and it'll be a Dylan Brown field goal. Hey, 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 I like it. I like it. Mr. Ice in his veins. Well, that is uh, true. Certainly the way he plays, isn't it? Does not let anything phase him. Yeah, the Ice Man. Isn't that what uh, Ryan's called for the Falcons? Yes, Mr. yes. Matty Ice, Matty, Matty, Matty Ice. Ice. That's right. Yeah, Dylan Ice. <laughs> Although maybe in Parramatta that does have a different connotation, but <laughs> we won't go too far into that. Um, all right, well, that wraps up the preview. Uh, we've made it this far. We've got our first final win since 2009, but job's not done. And um, we'll be back in the boys' in uh, to get a win down in Melbourne. Um, and uh, fingers crossed we can because we've had an awful record against the Storm in the finals matches, albeit a lot of those losses coming when they were the biggest cheating scums uh, in the world, uh, but there's not much you can do about that. <laughs> all right, well, let's jump into uh, Birdie, your Cowboys. Did all right? Oh, uh, yeah, Cowboys got the dub. Um, yeah, no, I'm Eating really pleased with uh, Dak Prescott's progression, you know, like uh, it's his fourth year and you know, he's airing the ball out more. Like, okay, he's not patting Mahomes, but, you know, um, our offense just shows that um, even though we've got the O-line and the gun running back, we don't need Zeke to win the games. And, you know, Mike, uh, Michael Gallup's second receiver, like, he's just growing to um, the speed. So, he, yeah, it was, it was a great uh, game. Um, we got the Miami Dolphins, so that'll, that'll be a tough game, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> nah, but, um, yeah, what else happened? Uh, my Spurs won uh, 4-0, and um, they start the Champions League all days. Greek side, so interesting. Yeah, other than that, um, oh, boomers are chokers. You know, if I was Double them, they talk, so much, yeah. oh, they talk so much shit about like the players not there saying they got no heart. You know what? I'd go, run to, I'd go running to Ben Simmons and I'd be kissing his ass, say, please play for us. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, we um, have no chance. Yeah, the FIBA World Championship uh, semi-final was a huge disappointment because they were in the box seat to take that game and they just crumbled. I think every Boomer fan will take a Ben Simmons without his jump shot just to make him play. Like, they just – we need something. Well, they, they, they needed someone to drive, like, to be able to drive the play at the end and they couldn't do it. Like, just no, no one was able to handle the ball correctly. Exactly. Other than that, um, oh, silly Canberra Raiders fan, you know, I made a little tongue-in-cheek, a big bit like Sibbo Chen Viking Club. And he said, how, how can that be when the Viking Club's been around for a long time? But, yeah, three years is a long time, you know. That, it should be etched in our memory, but uh, <laughs> lot up, man. even the Raiders podcast. And it was stolen from somebody <laughs> else as well, whereas the Sibbo is sort of a... Uh, well, it, it, was, it was stolen from the Minnesota Vikings who then stole it from somewhere in Europe. So it, it, yeah, it's one the, of those... Um, Iceland's uh, soccer team. They, they did it a lot. So, like, the Viking clap, everyone copies it, but the Sivo chant, that's OG, baby. Well, not, not according to Jamie Soward. He thought they were piped in by the speakers. Oh, oh my see. goodness. Hey, Jamie if, if he made the effort to go to a game, he would have realized how organic those chants are. He does go out to uh, Canterbury Cup, but he certainly talked up the Bulldogs and they didn't <laughs> deliver for him either. So. Um, if anybody reads Sowie's Powies, uh, you might he's understand his, that maybe Jamie Sowie copped a, even, even with the headgear, copped a couple too many uh, knobs to, to the head. Uh, his on the flip side, he's put us above Melbourne on his power rankings this week, so go figure. I don't understand Sowie. I think it's as simple as big score, little score. <laughs> <laughs> 40. You guys, um, you held on? Yeah, um, Seattle improved the 2 0 after a couple of tough games. Uh, one on the road to Pittsburgh. Uh, for Sunday footy or Monday morning footy as it was for Australia um, and managed to hold on. Russell Wilson played a blinder. Big Ben got injured in that for the season in the end, which was pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, didn't, doing all right. That was a tough road trip, and now we um, play New Orleans without Drew Brees. So things are falling in place for a strong start for Seattle. So they just got to keep going on and getting them Ws, as we said. Um, we already talked about the uh, uh, the FIBA World Championship, which sucks for Australia. I'm just trying to think of any other... Sporting events of note that have caught my eye recently. Um, obviously, uh, my boy Rafa. We, we mentioned that last time, didn't we? Did we not? Yeah, I think we so. did. Okay, yeah, Rafa getting his next, um, next championship. Um, just trying to think of. Well, we just saw um, the. If you're looking for advanced tanking, um, the Miami Dolphins are putting out an absolute masterclass as they. Well, it's not. I mean, it's advanced tanking. But I don't know if it's advanced rebuilding because when you tank, you usually want to get away, trade away senior players that are talented but on big contracts. So you can clear out cap space and you know get draft picks. They're trading away their best young players in Laramie Tunsil and Mika Fitzpatrick to get more picks. So I'm not really sure what the process is there, but they're loaded up for the next couple of drafts on first and seconds because of their recent trades. Um, yeah. I think it's as simple as after their first game when they were, like teams try to cover up that they're tanking a little bit. Yeah, but Miami have just totally torn down the joint, and players don't want to be on a team that just isn't in any way competitive. Like, you look at that Browns team that went 0-16, and you look at that Lions team that went 0-16, they were in a lot of those games. Um, but things just went against them. This Dolphins team yeah, is just going to be right off the park. They're on a one-way track to set history. They're, like, differential-wise, they're so so bad. Oh, my goodness. Um, who who they play with next week? I think it doesn't get much the better. Cowboys. The Cowboys, that's right. Oh, my God, that's going to be a bloodbath. so... Oh, oh, my God. Like, as, as you said, tanking... Rest your players, like, but they've um, got they're getting rid of their players. They're like just, and that, that's the thing is that Laramie. There. I understand that you want to get draft picks, but Laramie Tunsil and Mika Fitzpatrick were proven talented young players. Uh, the draft is a lottery. Yes, having lots of high picks is good, but it's no guarantee. We've seen the first overall bust more times than you know it needs to be said. If you look at, especially going back to QBs like the Oakland guy, the what was his name? Uh, the fat, the fat QB. Oh my yeah, god! Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, I'm um, like, there's no guarantee for draft picks, and they had two good plays in the hand. Uh, just uh, I would have done, you know, whatever it took to to place out them, but whatever. So yes, advanced tanking there, and um, yeah. So Mick Fitzpatrick off to the Steelers, which was an interesting pick, given that they've lost their QB for the season. So they obviously think that they're going to be competitive, or um, they're sort of planning to be big next year. All right, well, that just, for me, um, Packers, of course, getting a win. Um, but, yeah, shout-out to, to the real fans of the NFL here. Birdie, 40, and Hamish are all up at 3 a.m. on Monday. Yeah, after after um, the huge afternoon at Bankwest as well. Oof. And, um, yeah, holding on. So we've got two wins against uh, two uh, uh, 
rivals uh, being within our um, our conference, so that's fantastic. And then go on to the Broncos this week, who the Bears had a lot of trouble with and needed a um, absolute disgusting garbage call to get them over oh, the line. Rough in the past. Um, oh. That is what it is. Um, and then, um, as I touched on, um, I had, a little one came in. Uh, so uh, we, we had a discussion and said, not not on Sunday. <laughs> and so he held off. <laughs> yeah, congrats to Daddy of the um, Podcast, who is a daddy twice over now. Well done. And yeah, it's um, the uh, bad joke in the introduction, by the way. Uh, oh, well, I've already got another one. So it's, <laughs> uh, that's five years of prep for that joke, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Yeah, so we'll watch that game together on Saturday. Um, fingers crossed nice. uh, against Melbourne. And, um, yeah, hopefully no bullshit garbage calls like last time. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think that wraps it up for this week. Hopefully Ham will be back next week. He's had a bit of the flu this week. Um, I, I did say to him that how dare he not show up for this. I think, <laughs> um, I think between the, the podcast. Yeah, like, the flu, the, yeah, he missed, like, the biggest one ever. But, yeah, between the flu and the fact he starts early, he just couldn't um, couldn't manage it. Poor bastard. Yep. And that'll, um, that'll wrap us up for this week. So onwards and upwards. Uh, we'll give a good account of ourselves uh, on the weekend, but hopefully it's enough to get over the line. Um, and then we'll catch you on the next edition of the Parrot Podcast. Parramatta go wide through Ferguson. Blake, he got away. Has he got the pace to carry him there? The ball comes away to Gutherson. Gutherson goes to Wonga Blake. And Blake's a couple of metres out from the line. Brilliant run by Ferguson. Good support from Gutherson. It's a long ball out to Moses. Steps, comes back, back towards the western side. A floating ball to Ferguson. It's gone again to Blake. Blake, Blake is short again. Wow. Talk about excitement. Parramatta really making the ball razzle and dazzle. Here's, oh yes, Jennings. Jennings has scored. Cross to Mitchell Moses. Moses has been taken. I don't know whether it was a tackle in mid-air or not. Come over to uh, Moses to put a kick in and a regather. And he gets it down. Mitchell Moses does it on his own. You want me help? No. Brisbane have taken twice and got beaten twice. So here comes Parramatta again. Here's Blake sprinting down inside 20. Floats a long ball over to Gutherson. 10 metres out from the line. Crowd rising again. As Dylan Brown puts up a neat kick. It's bounced back off a Parramatta player to, to Blake. Oh, Blake shovels a ball to Ferguson. He's over. So McCulloch comes left side. Oh, Milford, is it? It comes out for Moses on the blind side. He threw a pass long back to Brown on the open, then Lane, then Jennings, then Lane. Lane's got Sebo there, but he's in. Lane goes all the way. Long passing the order of this movement. It's out to Moses. He wants to go back. He does. A long pass out to Sean Lane. He runs at Stags. Jennings, no look pass. Sebo lost it. Ball coming out after he was tackled. Gutherson has broken into the backfield. Got the fullback to beat and Milford gets the job done. Now he's running it. Turns it back to the blind side. A chance for Seymour. Nathan Brown and back to Dylan Brown. Clint Gutherson. He's gone to the big fella. And Sebo. Sebo does it again. Sebo is rubbing off on Jennings. Gutherson's heading for the corner, puts a step on, gets the ball away, and Daniel Brown, Dylan Brown goes on to score. Dylan Brown swept on for Moses, who cheats and comes back and looks to looks to kick, then he splits him, gets the ball away. Shibasaki it was. And then Jennings with a big shot on Turpin. Side they come to Dylan Brown. Back on the inside for Maroa. And Maroa plunges over. 
feeds it to Dylan Brown. He drops it down for Takarangi, and Takarangi tries to run through Lodge. Got it back to Marnie. Marnie got a ball to Moses. He's on his way for another one. Here. Brown puts it up to Milvoe. He's come down with the ball, the young fella. And Dylan Brown scores his second try of the night. What a leap. A big step for a youngster. So Marnie gets it to Alvaro and he's over the big fellow. Alvaro bags another one. Has made this the biggest winning margin ever against the Brisbane Broncos.